Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And so we're starting off in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Don't worry, we're not going to be standing long. Only got one verse for y'all uh, tonight starting off with. But a little context about this scripture is that this is Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. Um, this is before he's even gotten all the 12 disciples together. This is like, he, he, he's at like the cusp of, of his tour. Like he hasn't started yet. He's not, he's not like a, a, a household name yet. Like he's, he's still in his like uh, uh, beginnings in, in, you know, the uh, uh, little hometown area. Like no, not, not everybody knows the name of Jesus just yet. He's about to start his ministries. It's right after he gets baptized and right after he is um, uh, 40 days in the wilderness and he's about to start his ministry. And this is where we pick up in verse 17 where it says this. It says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven. Everybody say heaven is at hand. The series title for tonight, what we're starting um, tonight, and we don't know how long this series will go, whatever the Holy Spirit decides, uh, but the series title is this, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like, dot, 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 dot. That is what the series title is, and so um, if you don't know this, if, if, if you've read scripture a little bit in the Gospels, you will realize that, that Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven a lot. And when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he usually starts it off by saying the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he begins to explain it. He begins to unwrap it. He begins to give us just a tiny glimpse of the power and the peace uh, that is involved with the kingdom of heaven. But that is what we're going to talk about during this series and that we're going to study. Um, but with that being said, y'all can be seated. Let's pray over tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we are here for no other reason other than to grow closer to your son. So, Father, let your will be done, God. Let, your, let, let people, God, begin to uh, us just have open minds and soft hearts. God, that miracle signs and wonders going to take place, Father, that we just unleash right now any kind of uh, burdens, any kind of things that are not uh, lined up with your spirit. Father, release us from those things right now so we can be focused. So that way we can be expected. So, God, that way we, we can be a part, God, of what you're doing tonight, Father. So, God, let us leave this place, not, not being the same person as we walked in, but leave this place more filled with your spirit, more lined up with your word, God. That's the reason why we come is not just to listen to noise, but to grow closer to your spirit, Father. So let your will be done tonight, God. We thank you for chains falling off. We're thanking for minds being open. And we thank you, Father, that freedom's going to take place tonight. We love you, Jesus. And everybody say Amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Uh, so if you don't know um, this, Haley and I's anniversary is coming up. Two years. Uh, we got married on um, Valentine's Day, which is really easy to remember. But if I ever forget, that's like double trouble. Because that's, that's forgetting Valentine's Day and our anniversary. And so I don't know. You know, I'm sure we would recover if I forgot, but it would be a long, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll be in trouble, let's just say that. Uh, but our two-year anniversary is coming up, and it, you know, it's making me think of, um, you know, when we first got married. And uh, when we went on, um, for our honeymoon, we went to um, Cancun. Uh, we had a really, um, it was really a blessing. Um, um, friends of ours had a timeshare there and gave us a really good deal, basically saying, you know, uh, you know, at cost and nothing, and so we were able to do it and stay there for a week, and 
And uh, when we got there to this resort, uh, Haley and I walked in, and um, we had this room set up and everything. But when we got there, uh, this guy who was working the front desk um, wanted us to give up our room because we had, like, a bigger room, I guess, for a smaller one. And they said they would give us, like, $200 credit or something like that. But if you know me, you know I love to, uh, I won't say argue, okay, but I, I love to kind of, like, do business deals and to, and to negotiate, you know. And uh, so I love doing that. So I said, I said, $200? I said, you can do better than that. I said, what? So I said, I said what about $500 credit? And if you do that, then we'll give up our room for a, for a smaller one. And so we began negotiating, and what we negotiated uh, was they would give us $300 credit, but then, but then they would also give us VIP access uh, to their special kind of beaches and, and, and areas. So I, was like, I said, cool, I don't really know what that means, but I'll take it. And so we, we took that deal. We, they gave us a different little smaller room. But it actually worked out in the long run because we were much more closer to the things um, we wanted to go. It wasn't as long as a walk. So that worked out. And so we had an awesome time, um, you know, over our honeymoon. And we were able to, uh, you know, uh, went to different parks and, and, and a bunch of little things that they're offering there on that resort. Um, and we went in this VIP area that they said we had access to. We didn't really know what it meant. And so we tried to see what those perks were of having that uh, VIP access. And there were some, uh, like, uh, like, swimming pools we had access to in different areas. We're like, well, that's really cool. Um, but if there was one thing that we were kind of bummed out about was that the, the beach was beautiful, but it wasn't quite what we expected, like the, the beach they had. It was kind of like there was a lot of seaweed on it and, and stuff like that. And, and it, but if you know, uh, if, if you've only been in the ocean around Texas, I feel sorry for you because that is not like, a, like you know, it, that's the nasty place, okay? It's not like the Gulf. It's actually like, like you actually get into the water and then you come out and you don't feel like you're like itchy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it actually doesn't feel like, the, you know, all the, you don't think about all the thousands and gallons of chemicals and oils that's all in the Gulf. Um, but uh, we, I remember being kind of bummed out because it, was, it, was, it wasn't as nice as we thought it was going to be. But we didn't worry about it. We were thankful for everything. But on that last day we were there, without us fully knowing um, all these things we had access to for our, with our VIP thing that we got, we realized that on the last day of our stay that we actually had access to this VIP beach that we had no idea. And, and we find out about really from another guest. It was like, what, we have access to this? Because we're telling them, like, yeah, you know, the beach is nice, but you know, it's not what we, what we pictured. But we found out we had access to this VIP beach. And I'm, I'm going somewhere, guys. I know it's kind of long, so I'm going somewhere. We had access to this VIP beach, and so we go, oh, let's go check it out. So we go there. It's literally like, you know, out of like the movies where there's like a trail. It's like a special trail and things like that. And it leads down like, you know, through the little jungly part and leads into this beautiful, picturesque beach, perfect shore. It wasn't, had no seaweed on it. There was barely anybody there. And we were so excited, but then we realized it was our last day there. And we could experience that beachfront our entire stay, but we had no idea that us being a VIP meant we had those type of benefits. What I'm trying to tie in is this. When it comes to the kingdom of God, let us not be kingdom citizens, but not enjoy all the benefits. 
I, I would hate for us to be uh, sons and daughters of God and get to the end of our lives and or get to heaven and say, God, I love following after you, but then realize that there were some benefits, there were some access, there are some things here on earth that we could have walked into, but because we were unaware or because we weren't expecting or whatever it was, we, we didn't walk truly into everything that God wanted us to have. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand the kingdom of heaven and to understand that when Jesus came to this earth, he not only just came to die for our sins, like he did, and I'm thankful for that, but the reason why he came to die for our sins was that you, so that way you and I didn't have access to be part of his kingdom. You see, that's the reason why his blood washes away of our sins, because if, it, if, it, if we were still in our sin, we wouldn't be able to get into his kingdom. We wouldn't be able to be citizens of his kingdom. But because he died for our sins and his blood washes us away and makes us righteous in the eyes of the Father, we now can be a part of his kingdom. Who's thankful for that? But here's the thing. Jesus, he was always talking about the kingdom of heaven. And all throughout his ministry, he actually, he, he, he speaks on the kingdom of heaven over 160 times throughout the New Testament. Way more than any other subject. Way more than any other thing um, that you think that Jesus would talk about. The number one thing he talked about was about his kingdom was about him uh, coming in to establish his kingdom here on earth. And so if that's the number one subject of God uh, that Jesus was trying to portray, who knows that this should be something we should study. This should be something that we know more about. Because sometimes when I talk about, you know, uh, to somebody about being a, a, a citizen of, of the kingdom of, of, of God, they think that means that when we're going to be in heaven, which, yes, we're, we're going to heaven but Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So that means that God, that Jesus, we don't call him the king of kings and the Lord of lords for nothing. We don't say those words because it's a cute saying. We say those things because Jesus is literally our king. And what a king has to have is a kingdom. And you and I, we're our citizens of that kingdom. And we, 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 are, we are a part of the kingdom of God that God, that Jesus came to establish here on earth. Because that is why Jesus came. Yes, to die for our sins. Yes. But so that way he could establish a kingdom. So that we, we, we could have access to that kingdom. And so that's why I'm excited about this series that we're getting into. Because what we're talking about is all about the kingdom of heaven. So that we are not confused. So that way we are aware. Because let us not live a life like Haley and I did on our honeymoon. Thinking we were having all the fun that we could possibly have. But not realize that we have some benefits, some access. We have, some, we have uh, some things that we can be a part of. And let us not realize that on our last day here on earth. Let's walk on it each and every day. See, when we accept Jesus inside of our heart, we become a part of that kingdom. We become uh, citizens of that kingdom. But that, that's not where it stops. That's where it starts. And then we learn how to walk with them and how to talk with them. And we learn about our, 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 our identity as, as a citizen of his kingdom. And we, we realize our, what, what kind of, of access we have and benefits that we have because of that. Because, see, Jesus, he's, 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 not, a, he's not unfair. He's not rude. He's not mean. He's just. And it's kind. 
and he's all-knowing. He's, he's not a king who comes in and tries to uh, force his will. He's a king that comes in and he encourages us and to follow after him, to make us be the one to choose to follow after him. See, just because he's our king doesn't mean that we have no choice. We have a choice to follow after his will. We have a choice to follow after him. We have a choice to either have one foot in the kingdom of God or say, you know what, I'm, I'm jumping in with both feet because I want to be a part of this Jesus. We have that choice. See, let us not just stop at repentance and say, God, I, I'm, I'm good. No, let's say, God, let me continue. God, let me walk more in your kingdom. Let me, be, let me even be what Scripture says, co-laborers with you, Jesus, so that way we can build. A, the, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. That's why we have to come together and understand our identity as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Um, so that's what this series is all about. We're going to uh, understand why Jesus kept on talking about the kingdom of heaven, why he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus also said, if there's one thing you do, he said, pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what I want you all to realize before we get started, because we're about to get started. But I want you all to realize how important the kingdom of God is. It's not just something that we want to just talk about. It's something we want to live in. It's something that we want to be part of each and every day. So are you all excited as I am for this series? Start it tonight. Um, so we're going to uh, pick up in, in these parables um, throughout this series. And, and so what Jesus would do to explain the kingdom of heaven is that he would explain them in parables. And how he would start each parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would begin on a parable. And he, there's many times he does this throughout scripture. And so what we're doing throughout this series is that we're going to take a look at these parables and reflect on them and begin to understand, so we can understand more of how his kingdom operates. And the first one we're starting in tonight is in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. The reason I'm starting here tonight, we're, we're actually going to be focusing more on, on Matthew chapter 20 and a few verses from here, is because this question by Peter is what spurs the whole explanation of what the, how the kingdom of heaven operates. Uh, so right before this scripture, um, this is where the young um, uh, rich ruler was told by Jesus that if you want to follow after me, you have to sell everything, give everything up. And follow after me, and then you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. But we know that story and how it ends, right? The rich young ruler turns his head down and walks away because he had many things. But right after he says that, and then he and then he and he says all these things, you know, it's you know how the it's close to impossible for a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says all these things. This is the question that Peter asks. And if you know Peter, um, I, I said it last week. You know he 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 asked some dumb questions. Um, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe in the future uh, we can do a series called Dumb Questions with Peter. But then, but then I, was, I, I was thinking, I almost got kind of convicted because sometimes life's all about asking the right questions. Because if you don't ask the right questions, you'll just end up with the wrong answers. But it's when you ask the right questions as to when you find the right answers. And so this is the question that Peter asked. After all that and, and after what Jesus was saying about um, 
about inheriting these things, if you give up everything. He said, then Peter answered and said to him, he said, see, he says, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Basically what Peter was saying, show me the money, right? Basically what Peter was saying, okay, look, you were telling that rich young ruler that he would inherit the, the richness of heaven if he sold everything. We did sell everything, and I don't see nothing. Like, what is our, what is our compensation, God, for falling after you? Like, what's the point? What's, well, like, what, are we, what am I getting in return? And that question is what spurred um, uh, the, the, the parable that we're going into in chapter 20, verse 1. And so this is really um, Jesus' response to that question. And he said this. In chapter 20, verse 1, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is like, tap your neighbor, say, that's a series. That's a series win. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And now when he had agreed with the laborers for a, a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. A couple things on parables, if, if uh, it's, it's one of my favorite things to study because what parables are meant to do is for us to give uh, a better revelation and understanding of how the kingdom of heaven works. So when God talks in parables, he's, he, he, uh, in, in, a, in a very nice way, he's dumbing things down for us to understand, which I'm thankful for because I know I need sometimes God's like, hey, God speak plainly to me to understand, like, because, you know, uh, there's things who, like, his ways are above our ways, but God loves us so much that he gave us these parables for us to begin to understand. And so parables are meant to be a, a symbolic nature of what, of what is true in the spirit. And so when Jesus uses parables and he says the kingdom of heaven is like, what he's quite literally saying is that this, how, what I'm about to explain to you is how my kingdom works and operates. So if you want to be part of my kingdom, you need to understand um, what I'm about to tell you because quite literally this is how I rule and this is how I roll. So if you want to understand the kingdom of heaven, uh, study this parable. And so that's why it's so important for every time that Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, we need to zoom in, get our highlighters out, because he's about to say something very important. But in this parable, Jesus is represented by the landowner, okay? He, he, he is the one who owns everything and uh, rules over everything. He has all the authority. Uh, in this parable, Jesus is the landowner. And then in this parable, the, the laborers is us. It's, it's, it's you and I. We are the laborers. We are the ones who are um, uh, laboring in, in, in the kingdom of heaven. And the, the vineyard is when, where he's hiring the laborers, and the vineyard represents the kingdom, okay? I know I'm kind of going a little slow tonight, but don't worry, we're going we're gonna to pick up speed in a little bit. But so that we, way we can all understand is that the vineyard represents the kingdom of heaven, and then when the, uh, the landowner said, I'll pay you a denarius uh, to work for me, all a denarius means is a wage that's equal to one day's work. So if you work for the whole day, you get paid a denarius, which is wages for a one-day work. And so what this landowner did, which was very common in the time, is that if he needed work to be done, if he needed laborers, he would go to the city square at 6 a.m., and he would show up, and there would be people, there would be uh, 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 men and women who needed work, and they would be waiting there for somebody to hire them, and usually they had, like, a, like their tools with them, okay? 
And so the landowner would go in need of laborers, and he would hire people at 6 a.m. Everybody say 6 a.m. At 6 a.m., early in the morning, okay, for you early birds, 6 a.m., that was the, the, the beginning of the day. Okay, so now that we all got the context, uh, verse 3 says this. It says, and he went out, and then he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, everybody say right, I will give you. And so these laborers went. And so the landowner then came at 9 a.m. to the same city square, and he found people still there looking for work three hours later. And so he said, you know what, I will pay you if you work for me. And he said, and I will pay you what is right. But I don't know if you think the same way I think, but when somebody says, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you what is right, we all have different definitions of right. You know, like I could be expecting $1,000 and you could be expecting $100, like, but that's both right in our eyes. So when Jesus said, I will pay you what is right, or Lanor said, I will pay you what is right, my first question is, you got to give me more than that. Right, like I'm not going to go to work all day by the promise of you telling me, oh, don't worry, I'm going to give you what is right. Because I, I, I need a contract. I need something that says, you know, you told them a denarius, uh, which is a day's wage. What are you going to pay me if I go to work for you? This is, this is what I would have asked. And, and, and really what we experience a lot of times is, is how, and how God operates is that when he asks us to do something and gives us direction, a lot of times he would say, if you follow me, everything will work out right. And then we all have the same question, what does right mean? Does, does right mean this? Does right mean that? And, and, and then we're asked, well, God, you know, can you sign this contract before I listen? Like, God, like, because I need to know what you're promising me. I, I need to know uh, what right means because I need to find some, some uh, uh, comfort, some, some safety uh, in knowing what exactly my reward is. But see, when God calls us, he's not going to give us the exact uh, uh, end of the road. He's not going to tell us exactly what our reward is. And a lot of times I struggle with it. If you're like me, I struggle with that because I'm saying, God, stop being around the bush. Tell me, am I going to be a millionaire in two weeks if I do this? Right? God, stop. Like, tell me if I'm going to, like, do, like, what's going to happen once I do these things you're asking me to do? But God tells us to follow after him and he'll make it right. Because he doesn't want us to trust more in the blessing than the one who's giving the blessing. Because if God told you, like I know, I know me, I know y'all, if God would have told you, hey, if you do this, I'll give you that, we wouldn't be thinking about falling after God. We'd be thinking about chasing after the blessing. And we wouldn't be listening to God because we love him. We'd be listening to God because we want things he can give us. But God doesn't want us to follow him that way. That's why he said to those, to those people, hey, if you work for me, I'll do you right. I won't, I'm not giving you new amounts. You're going to have to trust me what right is. He's, he's saying that's how the kingdom of heaven works. You're not going to know exactly what's at the end of the road, but you've got to trust me that I'm going to do you right. Point number one for, for tonight is that God always honors his word. God always honors, honors his word. God is not like people. God is not like politics. When he says something, he does it. He doesn't say, I'm going to do you right and then do you wrong in the end. He doesn't say, I'm going to be a blessing in your life and then it turns out to be a burden in your life. When God says, I'm going I'm to treat you right, guess what? He's going to treat you right. 
That's how the kingdom of heaven works. He, he, he doesn't go back on his word. That's not how he operates. That's not how he reigns. That's not how he rules. He, 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 he doesn't promise us something and then leave us empty-handed. No, God never forsakes us. He will never fail us. So if, he's, if there's a promise that God has given to you, you need to know that he is an honorable uh, ruler. That he will follow through on that promise. That if he promised that, hey, they're saying that if, if you follow after me, if you start that business, if you do this, if you do that, whatever he's asking of you tonight, let me be the first one to tell you and a witness to, to tell you that God is, is an honorable God. He will honor his word. And he will, he will always, in the end, you will look back and say, I'm so glad I followed after him. You'll be able to say, I'm so glad I, I didn't wait until I saw the blessing. Instead, I just chased after the one who's given me the blessing. That is how the kingdom of, of heaven operates. That's how God operates in his kingdom. Not by putting a, a, a carrot at the end of a stick and we're chasing after a blessing. No, he just tells us, trust, trust in my faithfulness. Trust in my, in my righteousness. And in the end, you will look back and realize that I did you right. That's how the, his kingdom operates. Then in, in verse 5, you, you will see this, this trend happens. It says, so again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour, and he did the same thing um, to, to what he did for the laborers at 9 a.m. So he went back at 12 p.m., rounded up some more laborers, and then he went back at 3 p.m. and rounded up some more laborers and told them the same thing of, if you work for me, I will do by you right. And in verse 6, he goes again. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? Nobody look around, but you know those people who just stand around but still expect to get paid? You know those people? You know those people like... Um, you know, uh, like, they're not working on anything, but they have, like, a hammer in their hand. Like, like, why, like, why do you have a tool in your hand? Like, uh, you know, they just want to look busy, but they don't want to be busy. You know what I'm saying? He said, what are you doing being idle all day long? And in verse 7, it said, they said to him, they said, because no one hired us. But watch what he says to these people who, who all the, the 11th hour is 5 p.m. Okay, the in the in the Jewish you know uh, customs uh, at at 6 p.m. was the end of the workday. He comes at 5 p.m. to hire these people, and he says, "No, you also go into the vineyard." Which remember, the vineyard represents the kingdom of heaven. He says, "No, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive." So. The, the lander comes in at 5 p.m. with only one hour left of working, and he said, you come and you come into the vineyard as well, and you get to work. And he promised to do what is right by them, even though that these, though these, these uh, uh, people were standing idle all day long, they were still able to go into the vineyard and to work. That says to me that it is never too late for us to think that we can't go into the kingdom of heaven. That Jesus will never, he will never leave us behind. Not, and I'm not saying that means that's an excuse for us to sit on our hands. I'm not saying that. Or, or to, I'm not saying that's an excuse for sin either. But what I am saying that that means that we don't have to, to stay under the weight of sin. 
that even though we made a mistake, doesn't mean we can't go into the vineyard. That doesn't mean we can't experience the, the same uh, benefits of the kingdom of heaven. No, uh, Jesus will always have an open hand available to us. And even if we've been idle all day, we can still go into the kingdom of heaven. That's the type of God we, we serve. That's how his kingdom works. But in the same way, we're not called to live idly. If there's something that this world encourages, this world encourages uh, mediocrity, right? It encourages us staying in the same place. It encourages us to, to not take any risks, to, to, to stay, uh, you know, not, not to take any leaps of faith. It's to stay in the same area. But that's not the type of life that you and I are, are called to live. No, we're not called to live idly in our faith, meaning we're not called to live in the same place and stay in the same way and do the same things. That's not the life that God has called us to live. Instead, we're meant to follow him by faith. And if you know anything about faith, you know it's way outside your comfort zone. You won't, you didn't, if you know about stepping out by faith, you know that there's times where you have to say, I don't feel like it. I, I don't want to do this, God, but I hear your voice. I'm going to do it, so I'm going to step out anyways. That's a life living by, living by faith. We're not meant to sit idly and say, okay, God, you do all the work. That's not the life we're meant to live. We might be able to inch our way to heaven, but we're going to suffer here in the world. But if we say, God, I want to be able to live the life you called me to live, let me tell you, that's not an idle life. That's not a life in your comfort zone. That's not a life uh, limited. That's a life saying, God, I want to follow after you no matter what. Then in verse 8, it says, so at, at the end of the day, it says, so when evening had come, which is 6 p.m. So at the end of the workday, 6 p.m. comes. The owner of the vineyard said to his steward, he said, call all the laborers and give them their wages uh, beginning. Everybody say beginning. He said, beginning with the last to the first. Beginning with the last to the first. So the landowner, he wants to pay all the laborers but he wants to pay who got their last first. So the ones who only been working for an hour, he wants to pay them first and then pay the ones who got there at 6 a.m., the, 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 the good church-going kids, right? He wants to pay them last. So in verse 9, it says, So when those who were hired about the 11th hour, which is 5 p.m., those who were hired at 5 p.m., um, they each received a denarius. Which, if you remember, that is payment for a full day's wage. So the people who are only working for one hour, they got paid like they were working for 12 hours. They got paid like they were been, they've been there all day. Um, they got paid like, uh, 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 like, like they got there at 6 a.m., okay? And if, if you're like me, I read that and I say, man, that, you know, that sounds cool, but that doesn't sound fair. Like, that sounds like I'm, I'm glad for them. But I feel bad for the people who got there at 6 a.m., right? Like, I, like, when I read that, I was like, that's cool, but God, is that fear? Because you got to remember, he didn't even promise the, 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 the laborers who got there at uh, 5 p.m., he, he didn't promise them a denarius. He just said, I'll do you right. But they got paid a whole full wages uh, uh, of right, the whole full, pay, whole full payment. Of a whole day. And so I can just imagine after, you know, the, the 6 a.m. people, if you can see the store playing out, they're right here, right? They, and they're standing in line to get paid. And they see all the people who, who've been working only an hour. 
get paid like they worked for 12 hours. So if you're the people who got there at 6 a.m., you're like, oh, yeah. Like they got paid for t- like, like for 12 hours only working one, then I'm going to get paid like 12 denarius, right? Like I've been here all day. Like I'm, I'm about to be able to retire. Like this is going to be good. Like I'm going to be able to, you know, we're going to, honey, we're going on a date tonight. Like I'm going to get paid a lot. I, you can see them, see, okay, I see, like, and trying to make a pattern in their mind of how much they were going to get paid. But it's, this is where it gets dangerous. When, when you see somebody else get blessed, it's very dangerous for you to then think that you, you deserve something equal or more. It's a dangerous game to play because if you begin to think that, you'll go from being um, thankful for a blessing to being demanding for a blessing. You go from Instead of thanking God for what you got, you'd be saying, God, look at them. I expect, I've done more than them, so I expect more than what they have. And it's a dangerous game to play that we can get stuck in. But that's kind of like what the mindset that you can see the, the laborers who got there at 6 a.m. are in. So in the next scripture, in, in verse 10, it says, But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more and that they would likely receive uh, likely, but likewise, they each received only a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained. Everybody say complained. They complained against the landowner. They complained for getting paid the same amount as the ones who only worked for an hour. They, they complained for, for getting the same payment. They thought it was unfair. They said, why, why is this happening? They thought that it was unjust for the landowner to do that. But what's funny is if the, if, if the roles were reversed and instead the, the landowner, if he would have paid uh, the ones who got at, there at 6 a.m. first and he would have paid them the denarius, the day wage that he promised, and then they went home, they would have gone home thankful for the day, right? They would have gone home and say, man, I, I earned that denarius, man, that was a good day's work. And they would have had no idea or no uh, any kind of recollection that, that those others got paid the same amount. But because they saw the blessings of others and they began to compare it, that's what led to them complaining. That is what is dangerous about us comparing our blessings from God is that we begin to think that things are unfair. Point number two for tonight is that the more we compare the more life seems unfair. The more we compare, the more life seems unfair. What I mean by that is this. We all know those people who have everything, you feel like, but for some reason they're not happy. Or for some reason they keep on thinking, well, I know I got this, but I don't have that. You see that what that person has? I wish I had that. And, 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 that's the, and they begin to compare or we begin to compare ourselves and we're saying, God, you know, why are they getting blessed? And we use the same thinking that the, that the workers got there at 6 a.m. said, saying, God, I know I pray more than them. <laughs> God, I've seen their lifestyle, but they got promoted and I'm still here. They, they got a blessing and I didn't get a blessing equal. God, this seems unfair. And what you don't realize is that you're comparing yourselves to others and you begin to think and you begin to seem and, and that life is unfair. And you begin to think, well, well, what's going on, God? And you begin to even do what, what those laborers are doing and look up to God and say, God, you're unfair. You begin to say, God, this isn't right. God, why are you blessing them more than you're blessing me? All not realizing the blessings that you have in your own life. That is the danger of comparison. 
that is the road that it will lead us down, is that we will be so focused on the blessings of others that we will overlook the blessings in our own lives. And we begin to say, God, oh, this is unfair. God, look at them. Uh, God, I read my Bible today. I know they did it. And look, they got blessed. And we begin to play this, this game, right? It, but we've all done it. We've all begun. I know, I, I know I've, I've thought, I've said, man, I know that God doesn't pray, God. I know he doesn't. Yeah, I pray all day, but I feel like we begin to be compare, and then we think life is unfair. We say, God, what's going on, God? God, why did this happen? Why, why did they get blessed? Why did they, what happened? Why, why, why did something bad happen to them, but something good happened to them? Wow, well, God, this seems unfair. And we try to wrap our minds around that, but that is what leads us to distraction. And really what comparison leads it to is to a life filled with no joy. Uh, a life filled with, with no gratefulness. Because it's all, it will come to the point, it doesn't matter what God does for you, you're always focused on what God did for others. It, it won't matter what kind of blessing God has done in your life, you, you're, you're always focused on what God is doing for others, and you're not able to enjoy what God is doing for you. And you're not able to enjoy the blessings that are in your life, the family that's around you, the job that you have, the, the things that you've been blessed with because you're looking at how somebody else has a bigger house. Or you're looking at how somebody else got promoted for having less experience than you do. And you begin to think, and then that's how we come to the conclusion that we all say, right, life is unfair. I deserve more. Why is it God? God, and then we begin to make all these assumptions in our mind. And that's what comparison leads to. But watch how, how, how they, they continue in verse 12, these ones who feel cheated, who feel like it was unfair. They said this. They said, these, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal. Everybody say equal. To us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. They all had the same complaints, right? This is unfair. Landowner, you're unfair. You're not right. You're not just. You're, you, this isn't right. Why, why are they getting paid the same, and why are they getting blessed the same? Why have you made them equal? What they were thinking is, God, why are you blessing them? I'm better than them. God, why are you blessing them? I, I pray more than them. God, why are you blessing And we begin to think, but, we, but then we, they said, well, God, what, the landowner, why have you made them equal? That is the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't say, oh, okay, uh, you, uh, you come from this family. You make this amount or you have this job, so you deserve more blessings. That's not how God operates. That might be how people operate. That might be how politics operate. That might be how the world operates. But that's not how the kingdom of heaven operates. They said, you treat them equal as me, even though I've done more than them, even though, they were, they had to, even though I think I'm better than them. That is the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. You can enter in. It doesn't matter if you entered in at the first hour or the last hour. And you enter in the kingdom of heaven. You have the same access to the same spirit of God. You have the access to the same love, to the same peace, to the same joy. That's what makes it different from any place, any other religion, from anything else. It's not based on works. It's not based on how good you are. It's not based on your experience. It's not based on all that. It's just based if you have the blood of Jesus on your life. It's based if you had said yes to his name. 
This is, and that's the encouragement of the gospel is that you don't have to earn it. You don't have to be, you don't have to be the one to jump through all these hoops. You just have to believe. And if you believe, you can step into this kingdom, this, this kingdom that, that the builder and the maker is God, this kingdom that is not perishable like the world but will last in an eternity, a kingdom that will give you access to benefits and to, and to a power that you will never believe. And the best part is you don't have to qualify for all this. The blood of Jesus is what qualifies you. That is the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. But watch how the landowner responds. After all this, you can see the scene, how it's playing out, how the, the Jesus is explaining this parable, and, and they're complaining. They say, this is unjust. This is unfair. How, how can you run things like this? How can you operate like this? This, this isn't right. This isn't how things should be. They, they have all these complaints. But in verse 13, he answered one of them and said, friend. Everybody say friend. He said, I'm doing you no wrong. Said, did you not agree with me for a denarius? said, take what is yours and go your way. He said, I wish to give this last man the same as to you. See, what the enemy would love to convince us is that God isn't fair. The enemy would love to convince us that God, you know, if, if God was fair, then why did this happen? If God was truly just, then why did that happen? And the enemy would love for us to be in the same mindset like those laborers of saying, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Uh, uh, well, God, you, you obviously don't know some things because I know about them and you're blessing them. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And we begin to get in this mindset because the enemy would love for us to think that God is unfair. He would love for us to think that God doesn't operate justly and, and, and to think that, that this isn't right. Because, and in thinking in our eyes that, that life that in the kingdom of heaven is unfair. But that is the furthest thing away from the truth. And after all this, and this is, this is the kind of God we serve. After all this complaints, after all this, the landowner had every right to spite them. Had every right to say you are ungrateful. Had every right to, to kick him out. But instead he said, he called him my friend. Instead, he said, he said, my friend, I'm doing you no wrong. You see, we have to realize that when the enemy tries to convince us that God is unfair, we have to realize that God is our greatest friend. He's our greatest ally. He is just. He is fair. He knows all things, and, and he is on our side. Don't ever think that God is against you. Don't ever think that God is trying to come and ruin your plans. No, God is your friend, and that's what he was communicating. Look, he, seemed, he was saying to those laborers, look, I'm not against you. I'm not treating you wrong. Matter of fact, I'm your friend. He could have he said, I'm your boss. No, he said, I'm your friend. And yes, Jesus is our ruler, but he is also our friend. He is also somebody who lives this life with us. He said, I am your friend. And he says, and I gave you what I promised. I promised you a denarius, and now you have a denarius. I, I gave you these things, and now you have what I promised you would have. But then he said, but my blessings, my, my, my blessings I give them to unto people that I wish to give. I, I distribute my blessings how I wish to distribute, not how you think it, they should be distributed. I distribute my grace based on how I think it should be distributed, not based on the, on the mindset of man, not based on the, on, the, on, the, on the preview of what man thinks how it should work. Because here's the thing. God is omniscient, and what that means is that he's all-knowing. What that means is that he is truly the only one who knows what, what justice is. He's the only one who really knows what fear is. 
He's the one who really knows um, what uh, a righteous uh, blessing is. He, 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 he's the only one who knows all those things. You might think that life is unfair, that wasn't fair, but you don't know what God knows. You don't understand what God understands. Matter of fact, you and I, as much as you try to wrap our minds around it and you can see the world has been trying to figure this out for, in the, for since the beginning of time, trying to figure out what's fair, trying to figure out what's equal, trying to figure out, you know, how all things can, right, just come together. But can I tell you something right now? We're not capable of understanding all that. We're not capable of understanding what is fair and what is not, what is just and what is not. Because here's the thing. We have a limited view. We have a limited understanding. Things might be fair in our eyes, but unjust in the eyes of God. Things might be just in our eyes, but unfair in the eyes of God, because he's the one who knows all things. Um, Point three for tonight is only God can fathom what is truly fair. Only God can fathom what is truly fair. So this is what the encouragement is, is that even when things don't look fair in your eyes, Know that in the eyes of God, it is. Know that even when things don't make sense in your eyes, know that in the eyes of God, it does. See, if we trust this, our own perspective and point of view of what is just and what is not, we're always going to think life is unfair. We're always going to have reasons to think of how God didn't do that writing, how God, he, he, he wasn't unfair in this area. We're always going to think that. But if we trust the fact that God is omniscient, he knows everything, and he knows much better than we do, then when God says something fair, then we know that that's fair. When God says that's just, then we know that's just. We don't base things upon our own understanding. We base things upon the word of God here. And so when God says this is just, we don't argue with them. We say, God, I trust that you know what is just and what is fair. See, we're not omniscient. We're omni-ignorant. We don't know nothing. We think we do, but we don't. The more, the more I learn, the more I learn how much I don't know. You ever met like a, like a, like a, someone, like a six-year-old or seven-year-old, like they really think they, like, they know everything right, and especially teenagers, I guess. But the more you learn about things, the more you realize how much is out there, how much, how much you really don't know. See, we can't trust our own ignorance more than omniscience of God. We have to say, God, you are all-knowing. God, you do know how everything works together. You do know, God, how, how, how your kingdom operates. So I'm going to trust that more than I trust myself. I'm going to trust you, God, more than I trust my own understanding. God, I'm going to trust you even when things are unfair, even when I can't understand, God, why did this happen? God, God why? Well, that wasn't right how that happened in, in my eyes, but we still trust God. We still hang on to his word. We still have to say, Father, I trust you, and that's what faith is. Even when things seem unfair, we still believe that God is faithful. Even when things don't seem like it's, it's how it should be, we still trust that God is working all things out for his glory. That is trusting and truly believing in the word of God. Will you stand with me tonight? I'm closing. Close with verse 15. But are, are you all hearing what I'm saying tonight? It's how the kingdom of of God operates, how the kingdom of heaven operates. And so after all that, he, the, the landowner who, who is, is synonymous with how Jesus is in his kingdom, he, he says this, telling him, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? He was telling the laborers, is it not lawful for me to, 
give away my blessings as I choose? Is it not lawful for me to, to do with what I have, with what I choose to do with it? Like, who are you to tell me I can't bless them? Who are you to tell me that I can't bless um, that person? Who are you to tell me that? Isn't it lawful for me to be the one to decide? And he already said this, or is your eye evil because I am good? Basically what he's saying, or, or, or is the true reason why you are upset, or is the true reason why you are feeling um, cheated right now, is, is, that, or is the more reason because you are jealous of what they receive? Or is the more reason because you are comparing yourself or envious of others? Is that the real reason why you feel uh, unjust in this moment? And then he said in verse 16, he said, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. What he was saying is that if you live a life that is jealous, if you live a life that is always comparing, you know, your blessing to others, if you live a life saying, God, this is unfair and that's unfair because look what they got and look what I don't have. And, and I, God, I've been a Christian for 20 years and they've only been a Christian for two months and look at what they have. Like, God, this is, if we keep on doing that, we're going to miss out on the kingdom of heaven. We're going to miss out on the, on, on the fruit, on the, on the power, on the spirit, on the peace. Because really, to be honest, when we're jealous of others, what we're really telling God is, God, you don't know what you're doing. They don't deserve that. God, you don't know. God, why are you blessing them? That's what we're telling God. He said, you can't live life like that. You can't question my blessings. My, I am the one who chooses who is blessed and who is not. I am the one who freely distributes grace, not you. So it's not your job to be the judge. I'm the judge. It's not your job to say what is fair and what is not. I'm the one who does that. He said, because few are called and many are chosen. Because it's the, it's the, the laborers who realize that we're all on the same team. It's the laborers who realize that your blessing is my blessing. It's the laborers who realize that when you get a promotion, it's not my job to, to say what's wrong with you and how you didn't deserve that. It's my job to encourage you because we're all part of the kingdom of heaven. We're all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of, of the same whole. Let us not be the body that is upset with the arm or the, the foot that is mad at the, at the hand, right? We're all part of the same body. When the, when, the, when the body gets blessed, any part of it, the whole body can enjoy it. The whole body can be encouraged by it. That is how the kingdom of God operates. That is what he's trying to explain. He said, don't think that blessings is, 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 a, is a reflection of, of what is fear and a, and a bias and, and unjust. No. Know that when somebody gets blessed, that you're getting blessed. Know that when your brother and sister in Christ is getting promoted, know that that's something that is a reflection of, of the whole body not this one singular part of it, because we're all encouraged by the whole. I'm going to close with this thought, and, and really how God rules his kingdom is that God rules his kingdom justly and generously. God rules his kingdom justly and generously. This is what I mean by that. It's that if God was truly fair in our own mind, if God really gave us what we deserve, we'd all be dead right now. If God really gave us what we deserve, what, what the actions that we deserve, like if, if those laborers really, really got what they deserve, they, they wouldn't have gotten nothing at all. But who's thankful that we serve a generous God, that even when we don't do things perfectly, even when we don't do things the exactly right way, he's still generous with his blessings. 
He could withhold everything, but he chooses not to. He, he could push us off and, and push us outside the kingdom of heaven, the first mistake we make, but he doesn't. Because not only is God just, but he's generous. He's not a, he's not a spiteful God. He's, he's not one who withholds his blessings. He's not one who says, okay, you, you just become a Christian. Okay, you just become a part of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now you need to spend 20 years doing this. Or five. No, he says, I'm going to bless you the next day. I'm going to bless you the next moment. I'm going to give you peace as soon as you call upon the name of Jesus. I'm not going to withhold my peace until you do this. I'm not going to withhold my blessings until you cross all these religious acts. No. As soon as you step into my kingdom, you have access to the power. You have access to the blessings. You have access to the same Holy Spirit that somebody who's been a Christian their whole life does. That is the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. So I want to pray tonight, and we're about to sing a song together. Is say, say, Father, let us step fully in, into kingdom that, that you are ruling. Father, let us step fully into the kingdom of heaven. Let us not be citizens of this kingdom and not enjoy and in the benefits of being a citizen. Let us know our identity in Christ. Let us know, Father, that, that you rule with justice. You rule with fairness. That you rule righteously. That, that God has been a part of this kingdom. Father, that every blessing that you give is a, is, a, is a betterment to the whole. It's not us in competition, Father. It's us in collaboration. It's us, God, pushing the same God uh, laboring in the kingdom of heaven but father let us understand our identity father as a as a citizen of this kingdom let us understand the power we have access to let us understand the peace we have access to and what what we're going to pray tonight is, is, is father if there's anything that i'm withholding if there's anything that i haven't stepped into god let let me experience it right now the the peace that that every citizen of, of heaven can experience the, the the peace that every child of god has access to the joy and the confidence let us not be sons and daughters of God but still live in the world let us not be sons and daughters of you father but still God struggle with the same addiction and with the same pain and with the same problems as the world does no God we're not a part of the world no longer we are a new creation we have a new identity on ourselves we we are part of the kingdom of heaven so God let us enjoy the benefits of kingdom of heaven Right now, just draw a circle around yourself and with every head bowed and arms lifted, let's just begin to sing together. We're going to welcome in the Holy Spirit right now. I'm done speaking now. Holy Spirit, just have your way. Begin to enrich yourself on the side of us. Begin to encourage us. Begin to break any chains. Begin to break any barriers right now in the Spirit. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus together.